Welcome to the Brinkman Podcast. You are listening to the podcast where we speak about the audio drama, The Brinkman Adventures. Today, I am your host again, filling in for Eric Schilder. I'm Sarah Boltman. And um, we go behind the scenes and talk about the actors, the writers, and most importantly, the missionaries and the stories themselves. So welcome. We're so glad you're joining us. Today, I have with me again a special host. His name... Co-host, Ian. Co-host is Ian, and he is my brother. Therefore, filling in for Sarah. That's right. He has the last name that I have, which is wonderful. Um, Ian, today we are talking about something very special, which we referenced last podcast a little bit, but this time we're going to go in a different direction and we're going to have another guest. But to set that up, we're going to play a clip from the episode, The Calling. And this is the very last episode in season one. In season one, what happened is the Brinkman family got the call to do missions, right? That's, that's right. That's kind of where the whole journey began for them. And at the end of it, they got this decision. Do we keep acting for this commercial, which is giving us a lot of money, or do we stop and do the the mission and the, the ministry work that we really feel God is asking us to do? And they had a, a big decision to make. And in this clip, you're hearing them make that decision, and they think it's going to tank, and it's going to be a, a ramification will be terrible. But let's listen to what happens, and then we'll go from there. Josh, you want to roll it for us? Mr. Stapleron, I appreciate all you're doing for us, but I made a mistake. Our work here is keeping us from something else we're supposed to do. Uh, you see, we believe God is calling us to serve Him around the world in some way. Last winter, we did some work on a bridge in Sudan, and we think we need to do more of that type of thing. I shouldn't have committed us to Sunrisen. Jack, I too am a believer in Jesus. And I have a confession to make. I've been following your blog since last winter. And I agree. God has called you as a family into missions. My dilemma is that you make great commercials. You're the best thing that has happened to our company. I haven't wanted to admit it, but... I'm keeping you from your calling. Jack, of course I'll release you from the contract. I'll do one better. I'd like to fund your ministry. Go wherever God leads. I'll take care of the expenses. I, I, I'm, I'm speechless. I... Sometimes that's a good place to be. And, and Michelle, you're an excellent writer. Thanks. I encourage you to continue blogging as you travel around the world with your family. There are stories that need to be told. Oh, that was fun. Mr. Stapleton is Staple is Run. named after a really good friend of our family, uh, Mr. Stapleton, Denny That's Stapleton. Right. And Denny is the kind of guy um, who is an uncle and aunt to our kids, him and his wife, Denny and Sandy. And Denny is a businessman who it seems like whatever Denny touches turns to gold. And, <laughs> True. <laughs> and God amazing. Is, and God has used Denny in just in incredible ways around the world with, with the way he has given and been generous to ministries. And so, no, he doesn't fund the, the Brinkman family entirely, but he's given to the, to the Brinkman Adventures, and mm -hmm. he's been very generous with it. He's a huge part of what mm -hmm. we do, and not just what we do, but other ministries. So, yeah, love that episode, love that person. Yeah, it's so special. And I think last podcast episode, we are talking with John Bechtel, 
And he was telling us how this girl gave $1 and how it bought this amazing camp that has changed so many people's lives. And we wanted to shift the conversation a little bit, staying in that line of how does God use that part of the body, the givers, that oftentimes are doing a lot of work. They're, they're hard workers. They, they're like Denny Stapleton, where they can do business very well. And we wanted to focus in on their part in the body, because sometimes that does get forgotten as we're focusing on missions and the people on the front lines. But who are those people back there actually helping make it happen? So let's set the story up with our our guest that we're going to have on in a second. So I was up north writing scripts for season seven. So I was having a hard time writing this episode. And I, I got this email from somebody who I didn't know. And he said, hey, you know, I've been listening to Brinkman's with my family and I've been wanting to write you. I haven't had a chance. And I just felt, I think I think he said, I felt led to write you now and um, keep doing what you're doing. You know, it's blessing our family. It's, it's, it's a good thing. And thank you for what you're doing. And God used that email right at the right time to help me write the next episode, which I was struggling with. And, mm-hmm. and I wrote the guy right away and I said, Man, you were sensitive to God's spirit because I was struggling at that point, and I needed that. I needed that email when you sent it. So, thank you. And he wrote back and said, "Hey, if you ever, if you ever want to have help working on a story, I'm here, and I'm, I'm a storyteller, and I'd love to get to know you someday." And so, I think that was about all. I, I wrote him back and said, "Yeah, maybe we'll do that." And and can I put you on my prayer list? And he said, yeah, gladly, please do that. So I put this guy in the prayer list and then fast forward to this year. And we just had a dinner yesterday, this big Brinkman Adventure fundraising dinner. And all my prayer supporters got the email inviting them to this dinner. And this particular person was on that list. And so I was, as I was writing this next season, I got an email from him and he said, I'm, I'm coming to your dinner. And that really surprised me because we're in Milwaukee and he's from Southern California. So I wrote him and I said, John, aren't you from California? He said, yeah, but I'm coming. I was just so blessed and blown away by that. And so John came and and he said, you know, sometimes I speak at things and I'd be happy to speak if you need anything. And I said, well, I think think all the speaking slots are full. We might use you as a backup testimony. So John was our backup testimony last night. So John, we're so glad to have you here. And you you make a great backup testimony person, I have to say. That was the most amazing backup testimony we have ever heard. And so thank you again, John, for, for being here yeah. and for co-hosting the last couple yeah, podcasts. Yeah, so good. And I can't wait to hear about what you do and what your ministry is. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to put that on my resume now that I give backup testimonies. <laughs> That's going to go towards the top in case I need a That's, new job. I'm going to tell that story for as long as I, I know you. Can you just maybe tell us how you found out about us? Yeah, my wife was, uh, we have two children, Willow and Malachi, and they're eight and almost 10. And they are lovely, wonderful children. And my wife is homeschooling them. And so she discovered Brinkman's through a homeschool magazine uh, with curriculum in it called Rainbow Resources and just tried it, just ordered a couple episodes and we instantly loved it. And uh, we just couldn't wait. And actually, I talked to my son last night and he said, season eight, season eight. When is it coming out? Season eight. Like He loves and we love uh, the ministry that you have. So thank you so much for all that you do. 
That's cool. You bet. Yeah, and it's been so special kind of hearing feedback like that. You you know, you do work and you say, God, this is the best we know what to do. Here it is. And it's so encouraging to hear kids and families coming back and saying, this is making a difference in our, our lives. Thank you. Make more. So that's what we're so excited to do. And the event that we did last night was to help fund what the Brinkman's is doing to help it continue. And that is what John Reinhardt does in a lot of ways. He helps people continue in their ministries by connecting them to people that you call gospel patrons. Tell us, what is that term? What does that mean? Yeah, I, did, I had no idea what it meant either. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Uh, I'll tell you a little bit of the backstory if yeah. that would be helpful. I was I started my career in business, studied business in college. My wife is a business person. Both of our families are business people and uh, just began to pursue business and paid off student loans pretty quickly after graduating and getting into work. But there was something in my heart that felt like ah, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than making money and getting a bigger and bigger house and a faster and faster car closer and closer to the beach. There, there, but I didn't have vision. I didn't have vision for how does God use business leaders and so I thought, you know, the real action is done by pastors and missionaries. They're the ones leading people to Jesus, preaching sermons, traveling around the world, doing cool stuff, getting biographies written about their lives. And I just thought, maybe that's where the action is. And so deep down, there was sort of a sense that even though my family and my wife's family were believers and business people, it's, aren't business people really just second-class Christians? I mean, no one, no one actually says that, but I think a lot of people feel that. And so... Who wants to be second class? If I got upgraded to first class on the plane, let, let's take first class. That sounds fun. And so I ended up going to seminary and I got a master's divinity degree. And here I held in one hand this business background. In the other hand, I held this passion for Jesus and his word and the gospel and people being saved. And I had no idea how, how the Lord was going to direct those things coming together. So I asked my wife, I said, hey, you've been supporting me through seminary. We've been chasing my dreams for the last four years. What's your dream? She said, ever since I was 13, I dreamed of traveling all the way around the world in a single shot, becoming a global Christian and learning to walk by faith. And it was really on that trip, we, we ended up saying, great, let, let, let's do that. Let's take that trip. So if we put all of our stuff in storage for four and a half months. We literally circled the globe, five continents, 22 countries, and just said, Lord, teach us to walk by faith and make us global Christians. Along the way, I got introduced to a businessman in Sydney, Australia, through a very random <laughs> experience, friend of a friend. And I was told to ask him about this idea called Gospel Patrons. Over a 45-minute coffee meeting with him in Sydney, Australia, almost 10 years ago, I said, hey, what is this? And Let's just get through this. I'm supposed to ask you about this thing. And he said, behind every great movement in history, we find those who are going to proclaim the gospel and those who are going to be the patrons of the gospel. Some are going to go and some are going to give. Some are going to speak and some are going to send, but they're members of the same team working for the same mission. God has always used business leaders behind the scenes oftentimes as these backstage VIPs, but but they are VIPs, not yeah. second class. Yeah. It became this experience that was so powerful for me because it brought together those two halves of my experience, ministry and then business to see, wait, you're saying business leaders were not just human ATM machines, but right. they were critical partners in the work of God. You got to tell me more. Yeah. And it became this passion where I just said, man, you have to write a book on that. And it came out, I guess wow. I was going to write the book on That's that. That's great. <laughs> so you did. I did. I did. I spent three years digging deep into history, becoming a historian and a writer. I mean, how fun, which was not, I never thought I would write a book. So this has been a, wow. a lot of learning and a lot of fun. We will have the link to that book, by the way, on the show notes. And what is it called, by the way? It's called Gospel Patrons. There you go. People Whose Generosity Changed the World. Okay. And really, it's three historical stories. It's three historical stories, one from the 1500s and two from the 18th century British history 
of, of ministry leaders whose names we might know or historical figures that we might have heard of from the ministry side, but each of them was funded, supported, partnered with by business leaders, professional people, patrons who were generous behind the, behind the scenes. That's incredible. Right now I'm thinking about Dave Eubank for some reason. I mean, I'm looking at that guy. He's on the front lines of all of the war action right now, rescuing people in the name of Jesus, boldly proclaiming and leading people to the Lord. And I know for a fact there are some solid, amazing business guys who look at him and don't say, you're crazy. What are you doing? This is, I feel less than you, so I'm going to go a different direction. They say, I am making you go. And he has, he, uh, when ISIS disbanded two, three weeks ago, he fed, I think, 25,000 people who were starving and they were, they were ISIS they were the enemy, but he was saying, there's a different way to live. I'm here. I'm giving you this. He had the resources. He had it in his heart, but he doesn't have the resources. He can't do it. And the cool thing is that the businessmen, they can't be the special no. forces guy on the field. No. They, they're not trained for that. Davis. Right. So both, they need each other they or the job doesn't get done. That's right. So what do you do when you, how does this begin for you? Is it speaking? Is it, is it, what, tell us what you do practically. Yeah. So the book, uh, I launched the book about five years ago and it had an immediate splash that I didn't anticipate. I thought only my mother and maybe grandmother would buy it. Nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, within five months, it sold 5,000 copies in 20 countries around the world. Wow. And business leaders everywhere were saying, we're hungry for this. We want a piece of the action. That's we good. don't want to be second class. We yeah. don't want to just serve and worship money. We actually want to serve and worship God, but we're yes. good at business. What are we supposed hmm. to do? And at times there's been different books that have been helpful and different ministries that are encouraging that. But there's something unique about the language of being a gospel patron. I mean, if you're a pastor, you have a title. If you're a worship yeah. leader, you have a title. If you work with children, you're a children's mm -hmm. worker, you, you have a title. If, if you're successful at work in a medical field or artist or an athlete or a doctor or what, what you know, businessman, what are you? Yeah. You're a businessman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but what are you in the kingdom of God? How, how does God use you? What's your part to play? And so all of a sudden, gospel patron becomes this language and this identity that people say, oh, that's what God made me to do. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one quick story from the book that might tease your appetite a little bit. Yes, please. Um, it was the one that captured me the most. And there's they all captured me. Of course, I devoted my life to this. But 500 years ago, there was no English Bible. The Bible had been in Latin in Europe for a thousand years. And before that, we know the original Bibles was written in Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek primarily in the New Testament. But in the fourth century, it got translated into Latin. So in Europe, Latin was it, if you're mm -hmm. going to learn about God. But as language and culture developed, people didn't really speak Latin anymore. They spoke German or French mm -hmm. or English. And Latin became this sort of archaic language. It's a language of academics. It's the language of priests. It's the language of sort of high religious people. But the common people, that's not the language they talk to their friends and their family in or did business in. And so all of a sudden we find ourselves in a situation where everything that people in the 1500s were learning about God had been handed down to them and filtered through someone else. Mm -hmm. They couldn't actually have access to God's word for themselves. In the 1500s, God raised up a young man in England named William Tyndale who had a passion to translate the Bible from the original Greek manuscripts into English so that six million mm -hmm. English speakers in his nation could do it problem was Bible translation was outlawed. This was actually illegal work. It, was, huh. it would have been the equivalent of heresy. Wow. And he didn't know what to do. Here is a young 20-something guy with a passion for God, and, and he was gift, a very, very gifted linguist. So he hmm. understood all these old languages, and he could translate it incredibly accurately. But he didn't know what to do. All of a sudden, a business guy who's a cloth merchant 
enters his life, who history is almost totally forgotten, named Humphrey Monmouth. Humphrey, I've heard of him. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> Ian, of course you so, have. <laughs> Humphrey Monmouth is a very good, successful merchant. And he hears about Tyndale's ambition and essentially says to Tyndale, Tyndale, God's given you a job to do. It's time you, time you get to work. Come live at my house. I'll provide for you. I'll protect you, but get to work. Wow. For six months, William Tyndale lives with this businessman, translating the Bible from the New Testament for the first time from Greek into English. When it's done, the businessman uses his ships to get Tyndale over to the European continent where all the best printers, where we have to think printing presses, new mm -hmm. technology still. A year later, they roll off 3,000 copies of the English New Testament. The businessman's called upon with his merchant ships to smuggle these Bibles mm -hmm. back into England. And so we put these little Bibles, the size of a small journal in a watertight box, and then they drop it in a barrel of oil or drop it in a barrel of wine, smuggle it back into England and begin to sell it on, you know, under the counter in this, wow. this contraband book. Wow. Tyndale ends up, he gets uh, executed for his faith. It's in Fox's Book mm -hmm. of Martyrs. He gets strangled and burned for translating the Bible and his patron got thrown into prison in the Tower of London for a year mm -hmm. as a businessman because wow. he was supporting him. Eventually wow. the patron's released. These two never really get to see the ROI or the fruit mm -hmm. of their ministry. But they gave the world an English Bible and, be, and really birthed the English Reformation. Now 600 mm -hmm. million people in the world read an English Bible who never would have otherwise. And as I heard that wow. early on there at that day in Sydney, I kept asking the question, that's, that's, I've heard of Tyndale. Mm -hmm. How come I've never heard of Monmouth? And what would have happened had he as a business leader not played his part? Mm -hmm. That's what birthed this passion in me to say, what if we wow. could raise up a generation of Humphrey Monmouths and Mr. Staple Runs and that's people great. like this who are going to play their part and see it as heroic and wonderful and glorious in God's plan? Wow, nice. that is incredible. Yeah. Do you find that sometimes people feel a little bit bad, like, in the church, you know, it's maybe more holy to be poor. And those people coming out with a lot of money might feel, this is what I'm good at. I'm, I'm doing this. And I just love the fact that you're saying it's not, it's, it's a holy thing. It's a holy thing. It's a powerful thing. Yeah, there's two lies on, on each side. of the two ditches we can fall into as we're walking down the road. One is that it's more holy to be poor or more spiritual to be poor. The other is it's actually more spiritual to be rich. Hmm. And in some cultures, that's where the prosperity gospel yeah, is like, it, it, if, you, if God loves you, you're going to be rich. Or if, if you're really, truly devoted, you're going to give away all your money. And we see even after the rich young ruler story in the gospel where Jesus, he walks away sad because he had great riches, even though Jesus said, follow me. Jesus' disciples back in that day were kind of bewildered. They said, wait a second, if he can't be saved, how can anybody be saved? He's a good moral guy. He's generous probably. And he's, you know, he's, he's following the commandments, so to speak, but he's not willing to part with his money to follow you. Their understanding was this thought of, well, God's surely blessing him, so he must be holy. And that the issue is not whether you give away a lot or whether you, you know, whether you're poor or whether you're rich. The issue is, do you say yes to Jesus with, with what you do have? Jesus says he who's faithful with little will be faithful with much. And so we can start wherever we're at. And it's not an idea of, I'm going to wait till I hit the jackpot yeah. or my business takes off to be generous. You, you learn to be generous over time. And so we, we, the point is following him, not falling into either one of those ditches. That's so good. You're not keeping your eyes on wealth. That's a, the point is Jesus. That's right. And he gives wealth and he 
Sometimes he says you're going to be the the guy on the front lines and you don't you don't know where the money's coming from but you're going to do it. Another one he says you're going to have a lot of money and I'm going to ask you to give it to this thing. Well, and this message is just Amazing. as relevant for missionaries too because when you're a missionary you have to trust God yeah, to provide for you. You know, yeah. kids listening to this will think, "Well, I'd like to be a missionary." Well, you're going to have to learn to trust God with money. That's right. And sometimes missionaries can yeah. have this poverty mentality of like, "Oh, God, I, I have a I, I want to do something for God, but he can't provide for me." And you're like, really? The God who spoke the world into the existence and saved you by his you know, blood on the cross can't provide. He's able to provide. So business leaders need to keep their eyes on Jesus and missionaries need to keep their eyes on Jesus. He's the provider. Whatever he puts in my hands, I want to use it for him and his purposes and his kingdom, not just me and my kingdom. That's, that's great. John, can you tell us a story, uh, a modern story? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Of this? Well, let me tell you, okay, I'm going I'm to tell you a very quick biblical story just to make sure that people out there are like, okay, he's not just doing one, one story of history and isn't that cool? He found an anomaly. <laughs> In scripture, actually, what yeah. we see is that Jesus Christ had gospel patrons. What? <laughs> like, no, he really actually had gospel patrons. And I'd never considered this question, but as I was, as I was, as I was reading and studying, I, I came across Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Where it says, soon afterwards, Jesus is traveling and he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom with his disciples. And the 12 disciples were with him and also some women. Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Hmm. These three verses blew me away. That when God wanted to provide for his son to proclaim the gospel, he could have done it in any number of ways. He could have multiplied mm-hmm. fishes and loaves every day. Yep. He could have Manna. started the best uh, winery in the Roman Empire with water, <laughs> tap mm-hmm. water. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Could have had a fishing business where all right. the fish jump into the nets and we break the nets basically. And, and we provide, sell them and provide for ministry that way. But what he did was he chose three women and many others, but three women who actually had names who had to step forward in faith, give generously and say, I'm all in Jesus. I want to see more people hear what you have to bring. I never noticed that. It's one of those passages I've read over for years. And all of a sudden you go, God chooses generous people to advance his kingdom. That's how he works. It's not an afterthought. It's not like, Mm -hmm. oh, please, let's just give to charity because we should. This is a main means of how God sees his kingdom advancing. Mm -hmm. We need to celebrate that among business and professional people because 95% of people will probably never be missionaries or pastors. And what's their role? They have an incredible, glorious, amazing role in God's kingdom. So modern so story. Tell, tell us a story, John. <laughs> Let me tell you my story. When I was writing the book, I was uh, I just finished seminary and I had the passion to write this book and I didn't know how to do it on the side. I wasn't a good enough historian and I wasn't a good enough writer. And so I knew I needed to really focus in on this, but I didn't have the means to provide for myself to do it. I asked one gentleman, I said, would you consider being my gospel patron? And he said, you know, my funds are all committed elsewhere. But I I bless you, just keep going in it. And so for nine months, I worked with no income and was just committed to begin researching and digging into these stories from history. And at one point, I even pulled the car over after driving with my wife and said, am I crazy? Am I crazy for believing that this book needs to be in the world? And she said, no, keep going. A month later, a man in my church emailed me and he said, I heard about your book project. Can you send me a little something on it? So I sent him a summary of what I'm trying to do and accomplish. Young businessman, he's an acquaintance, don't really know him that well. He reads it, he's praying about it, feels like the Lord is moving on his heart. So he says, would you come over to my house? And I did. And he said, are you a pretty good writer? I said, yeah. No, I was not a good writer. <laughs> I'd written six articles in a student newspaper, been paid $12 <laughs> for each article. 
I just was ignorant about what it took. I thought, I mean, anyway, he said, you're a good writer. I said, yeah. He said, how long do you think it'll take? I said, I think probably two years. I've never done anything like this before and I really want to do it well. He said, what do you think you need? And I told him the amount of money that I thought I needed to provide for my family full time to do that. And he said, great, don't tell anyone uh, because we go to the same church, but I want to, my wife and I want to get behind you. We'll support you full time for two years to write this book. I'd love it. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. He said, uh, we'll consider you like one of our missionaries. I'm not your boss. I'm not your editor. This is your shot. Go for it. And so for wow. two, two years, we met together for lunch at a Mexican food restaurant. He'd slip me a check across the table. We never talked about the money. We only talked about the work. What can I do to help? Who can I introduce you to? I'm praying for you. I believe in you. And basically, he was just that steady person there to say, I want to help this get into the world and see what God does. That's incredible. Changed my life. That's wow. amazing. And he has changed so many people's lives because of your book now, because of the people yeah. that are stepping up and saying, thank you, Lord, I have a place with the gift you've given me. It's It's been remarkable. I just spent some time with him the last few days, and he said it's it's amazing to see the fruitfulness that's come out of that risk and that investment. Neither one of us knew if it was going to be successful. And now, I think looking back five or six years, we've seen hundreds of millions of dollars come into the kingdom of God and be given away mm. by people who capture this vision and say, wow. this is my part to play. Blessing ministries all over the world. Uh, thousands and thousands of books have sold all over the world. So cool. And we just keep going. If there is someone listening to this, and it is in your heart, you're good at business, you're good at what you do, and and yet you want to do something for the kingdom and you feel torn, you feel like maybe what I'm doing is not worth anything in God's economy, I would just say to you, that's not true. And take what he's given you and what you're doing and do it for him. And you're going to be so blessed by that. Pray, ask God, who is it that you want me to, to champion and be a patron for? And, and God will lead you. You know, it's neat that your friend had that on his heart. You just connect to the right person and God's like, that's the one. And the rewards, the heavenly rewards are going to be incredible. And the earthly relationships reward and fruit that you're going to see. And some of the amazing. kids listening to this will be called to be Mr. Staple runs. They'll be yeah. called to be those gospel patrons and some will be yeah. called to be the missionaries and it could even be a brother and a sister where yeah. the brother's going to go and the sister's going to make money or vice yeah. versa and yeah. they're going to fund and support each other, but they're each going to play their part. I will yeah. say to the modern story question, we, one of the things we've done with our ministry as I travel around and speak is we've begun to hear amazing modern day stories. And so we have our own film team and we've taken them all around the world now and we've captured modern day stories of gospel patrons that we give away for free on our website. I've seen them. They're great. Thank you. They're really good. Short, I encourage everybody to go to your website and watch them. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. gospelpatrons.org slash films, 15 minute documentary stories, all for free. We have an NFL, a former NFL player on there, an Apple engi tech engineer. We have a, nice. a British doctor and- Entrepreneurs. Well, the story about the U version with, with Mort, amazing. You yeah. got to go there if you're listening. Go to gospelpatron.org and watch some films. Thank you for yeah. stepping out, John, and being faithful in that. Yeah. And, and during those two years, trusting. Yeah. Um, man, we're grateful for that. The kingdom. I, I, God is smiling, I think, looking at you guys and using you in a, a really big way. And I mean, we can echo the same story with Brinkman Adventures. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for yeah. the Mr. Staple runs. Even last night, the event that you came to, to be a part of, it was amazing. 300 people came to this event and said, we want to get behind Brinkman's and yeah. help spread this all over the world. And um, we can't do that without them. That's mm -hmm. right. 
That's so right. thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And can you tell us about the book that you wrote? You said there is a way that people can hear it or, or read it. Tell yeah. Us that. So if you go to gospelpatrons.org slash books, you can see the two books I've written. I wrote, wrote a new one called Giving Together. But if you click on Gospel Patrons, because that's one we've been talking about today, and scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, there's two links where you can either listen to the audiobook for free, and I'm sorry, you'll have to put up with my voice reading it. It's going to be great. You got a great voice. No, thank you. <laughs> Uh, or you can actually download the PDF version of the book. We want to give away the digital books for free. This is awesome. not about selling books. If you want to buy books and give them away to missionaries or give them away to patrons you know, I mean, we've had lots and lots of people do that. Say, oh, I have patrons in my life. I want to give this to them as a gift because what do you give a Mr. Staple Run mm -hmm. who has everything? Exactly. But we want to give you the digital book, whether it's audio or PDF, for free at gospelpatrons.org. Thank you. Well, Thank that's you great. so much. Now, let me ask you before we go. When you traveled around the world for how long? Four months? 132 days around the world. Wow. Were you in a, like a sailboat? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking Brinkman Adventures, man. This sounds like a Brinkman story. We use modern day airplanes. <laughs> Did you? Okay. I, I bet you have some stories from that trip that you could tell. I Not would, now, but I, I, I would love to. I, we need to talk, John. So. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so much yeah. for joining this. This has been such a pleasure to meet you, to hear what you're doing, and we just pray that your ministry goes far, 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 far and wide. Thank you very thank much, you guys. Thank you so much. Bless you. Yes, and if you are interested in hearing more about Gospel Patrons, go to the website that was mentioned, gospelpatrons.org. And BrinkmanAdventures.com is where you'll find the story that we kind of base this episode on, The Calling, out of season one, so you can find that there. And yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.